Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This very special bonus episode of I Doubt It with Dollamore is brought to you by our generous listener supporters on Patreon and PayPal. If you appreciate what we do and would like to join them, go to dollamore.com slash PayPal or dollamore.com slash Patreon. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dollamore. All right, welcome to the show. This one more very special bonus episode of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host, Jesse Dollamore, and sitting directly across from me on the studio table. She's not really on the studio table. She's sitting behind it. The lovely, the talented, the scholarly, the getting wore out from all the episodes we're doing, Brittany Page. We're really getting it done. We are getting it done. Yeah. I'm impressed. You're impressed. Well, if you're impressed, then... We're doing a good job yeah. because you're 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 a tough lady to impress. That's true. That's very true. You have kind of this this aura about you. Superior taste. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, today we have talked to many people. Yeah. About many issues. And immigration and the refugee crisis in the world is something that is, I don't know, I, I would go as far as to say it's near and dear to our heart because I'm not an expert on the issue. But it is certainly something that faces us and the way in which this administration is choosing to deal, strike that, is choosing to not deal mm-hmm. with the issue. Right. Not face the issue. Not lend a helping hand to people in need. It's concerning. Yeah. Especially, I think, to our audience. And with us today is a man by the name of Mark Russell, who has co-written a book, the way I understand it, is with De- uh, Dick Gephardt, who is the former house leader from Missouri. Actually, when I worked on the Hill, yeah, he was there. Oh, So uh, I guess he could say that he's a former colleague of mine. <laughs> <laughs> 
Anyway, Mark, uh, you have a, a documentary out that's coming out or you're trying to get uh, produced. Thanks for coming on the show to talk about it. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me here, guys. And this is a topic near and dear to my heart and very excited to, to share whatever I can to help the cause. Now, I, I don't know if I named the book. It's The American Immigrant. Um, tell us a little bit about that. And how'd you get hooked up with the uh, Gephardt? Okay, so yeah, so a uh, couple of things. So what we have is what we consider a, a project or an initiative called the American Immigrant. And in that we are having, we are developing a book series, so multi-volume book series and a documentary film. Um, and hopefully also have a, a series of short films related to immigration and Dick Gephardt, who I got to know uh, a few years ago, just through various business um, acquaintances, and began to talk with him about uh, publishing his own book. And he's never written a memoir or a leadership book and felt like he really needed to. But what he kept coming back to, what he is passionate about, is really getting out the uh, stories of people who contribute continually and positively to our nation who are immigrants. So that was his passion project, and he didn't really have a, a, a real uh, driving th desire at this time to, to do anything about himself. What he wanted to do was use his uh, platform and network to promote the cause of immigrants. So that's how we got to developing this project. And Dick and I have put together the first volume of our series, and it's called The American Immigrant, Volume 1, The Outsiders. And in that book, what we did was start with the people, the four uh, segments of immigrants who would probably be the most controversial, if you will, or considered the most outsider um, groups. And those are refugees, the poor, Muslims, and undocumented immigrants or illegal immigrants. So it seems like you guys are trying to put like a personal face on this issue because a lot of times with immigration, it's this kind of floating out there and we don't really hear personal stories. So it's easy to, to dismiss, but it sounds like you guys are trying to actually put forth these personal stories to really connect people to this issue. That's 100% right. And what we believe and what we have seen is almost everyone has a personal relationship with an immigrant who's contributed very positively. And what we're hoping is our stories, by putting a personal face on the people they don't know, help them to reflect upon the people that they do know right. who actually are uh, very positive and sort of offset this fear-based um, fear approach which is rooted in people that we don't know and haven't seen and we're scared of. And if we kind of remember, wait, we know immigrants, we know they're good people, and, and our stories reinforce that, as well as the re remembrance of the people that we all have in our lives. It's kind of like uh, put, putting in print, um, I don't know if you're familiar with the Humans of New York Facebook page, mm -hmm. but they do something similar where they, they'll kind of document and do a short interview with someone and really put a face on whatever issue it is, whether it be you know teen suicide or immigration or whatever, mm -hmm. I think this is uh, super positive because a lot of times people's imaginations run wild. And when you have yep. a, a storyteller, a.k.a. liar, 
like Donald Trump, <laughs> who's going to paint this doom and gloom, scary kind of 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 narrative when really, you know, it's it's kind of like uh, the the gay issue, the gay issue. <laughs> when when people they 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 don't want to legalize gay marriage or whatever. And if you really d- dive down deep, it's probably because they don't really know anybody that they know. Mm-hmm. They kn- they don't know that they know someone who's gay. And it's people who were lifelong conservatives, which I am one. I was a conservative for many, many, many years. Mm-hmm. It's easy to demonize when you don't have you don't have a face to put to it. And immigration, I think, is is, is a perfect example of it because people don't know that they know people, and when they find out. Their heart warms to it a little bit. Yeah, that, that's one hundred percent right. And I think what's uh, one what's interesting about humans of New York is that they have shown um, very positively that portraying stories of just the way things are, that which contain some good and some bad, but the way things are, people uh, respond to that and need that. Whereas I think that's a little bit of a contrary to. Um, conventional thinking and reporting, which tends to dwell upon that which is most fear-based or most negative or most alarming to get attention. Right. And so what we're saying is that that's a proof proof of concept right there that it actually works. Um, and they're accomplishing tremendous good with that. And that's very much in line with what we're doing. You don't have to focus on the sensational. It can be everyday stories that really are what fuel our world. Right. That's absolutely right. And the, the fact is, if you dig deep into almost everyone's story, it is in some sense sensational, but it's just not this uh, dramatically negative <laughs> right, right. Uh, thing to fear. Um, and also on your point on the um, on gays, I think it's, it, it, you hit the nail right on the head, which is what we're trying to drive people to is don't um, don't look at a group from a distance and judge it as a whole, but get to know people from within. And most of us all do. We all know immigrants and we know gays. Uh, We maybe just didn't know it or realize it or process it, but we do. And when we tend to think that way, things tend to, you know, shift in our, our hearts and our minds because of what, uh, because we know the person. Um, An example of this, by the way, is, uh, there is a, a series that was done by uh, PBS uh, five, six years ago called it was a Heartland series, and they uh, featured immigrants in Missouri, and they went around and interviewed people at diners and stuff, and asked them should uh, what should they do with a person who was 27 years old, had come over, and did not have their documents, were in, was in the process of trying to get their documents, but didn't have it. That person had come over as a child with their mother. What should they do? And, and it was sort of universal that they should be deported. And then when they went around to the same people and said, hey, we're talking about Frank, who is the guy they all knew personally and worked with. Yeah. And then they said, no, uh, no, not Frank. He's, you know, he's a solid guy. He works hard. He's a good person. You know, that's the last person we'd want to deport. So it shows very clearly that when you're talking about a statistic on a sheet of paper, it's a lot different than when you're looking at a person and knowing who they really are. 
Right. And I, I'm connected to you on Facebook. And so I've seen <laughs> how controversial this issue can be when you post about immigration. And I'm wondering what what you think that reaction is about. Is it just that lack of a personal connection to this issue or is something deeper going on when you engage in those conversations with people who have that that negative reaction to immigration issues? Well, that's a that's a great question. I, I think there's a lot going on. One, which is I think um, what we have in the in the sort of rhetoric around immigration right now is a lot of conflation of various issues, which kind of taints the whole thing. So if you think about yeah, clean water, you throw in a little bit of dirty water into clean water, the whole thing's kind of dirty. Mm-hmm. And that's the same sort of effect we have. And, and, and the goal of that sort of mixed rhetoric, I would say, is to fundamentally build a tribe that supports a perfect a particular perspective. And that's the second issue I think that we have, which is what I would just basically call tribalism, which is people not wanting to go against their party or their their preferred presidential candidate. Um, so there's this tribal instinct to support, even if it doesn't match reality. But then there's back to this other issue, which is... Um, and this is what we're trying to counter is saying, yeah, OK, you can always find stories mm-hmm. of people from other countries who do bad things. Right. That'll always happen. And if that if we let that those negative stories or the bad stories uh, paint our whole view of this people group, then we're committing the same um, error that's been consistently repeated in the past where people label a group and judge them on the actions of their worst uh, people. Right. And you can go to the Jews, you can go to African-Americans, you can go to anywhere in the world. That is always consistently the rationale that's that's developed to produce justified persecution of a particular group of people. And so what we want to do is say, hey, yeah, of course, you got some bad stories, but that's that's, when you look at the amount of immigrants in this nation, if they were consistently, they are below lower in crime versus native-born Americans. Mm-hmm. They consistently produce more jobs through entrepreneurial ventures than native-born Americans. And we know statistics aren't going to help some people, so we just got to bring them back to the stories <laughs> of the people who actually are doing this. Yeah. Well, I was those statistics you just named. I was just going to talk about, and I was going to address the fact that you 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 are fighting an uphill battle where it relates to convincing people because with the polarized, we just had a a, a doctor of history or whatever his degree is in from Ohio State University on, and and we talked about this this post truth politics, mm-hmm. and the statistic you just named is absolutely correct. That first for new immigrants. And their populations actually, they commit far fewer crimes than native born. And where it relates to like public assistance, yeah, the first generation of, of immigrants, they do, uh, they, it's a slight uptick on how much public assistance they use, but dramatically falls off on the second generation where they yeah. are very staunch, very heavy contributors to the system. And those numbers, they don't get talked about enough by by the liberal side of things, by the left, but they don't, they certainly don't get accepted by, you know, the Donald Trump crowd, the Donald Trump typical voter. So, so 
So all that to say, and I want to get back to this whole thing about the Facebook thing with because I admire you. I, I don't know you, but I, I Brittany, I guess tangentially knows you. Maybe you've met a couple times, but I, I admire the fact that in this political climate where, you know, we talked about it yesterday on the show on episode 200, uh, 298. What am I doing here? Um, that. We had a caller call in talking about his parents and that they are evangelical Christians. And it's she's defending Donald Trump and all his misogyny and, you know, admittance to I don't think admittance is a word, but uh, his admitting to assaulting women, you know, the grab them by the genitals, all that stuff. And she's a staunch believer and defending this as, oh, that's just locker room talk. Boys will be boys. And even my mom, my mom was a Trump delegate in Cleveland, very, very staunch Republican Idaho family. And I know I'm all over the board here, but I feel like that many people have traded in their deeply held faith and religious community connections for the GOP. They they are they are betraying, I believe. And, you know, I'm not a believer anymore, but but. I I understand the faith because I lived it for, you know, decades. And I believe they're trading it in and betraying their Christianity and the the red words in the Bible for <laughs> this new Republican, maybe not new, but this Republican mantra of it's us against them. Yeah. And anyway, so so thank you for what you do because I, I'm sure that it you're in danger of alienating yourself um with your Christian brethren. You know, partly is this is 100% back to the tribalism issue I brought up earlier, which is when people prioritize belonging to a particular tribe above all else, they are automatically positioned to make significant compromises. Um, and that's what we see with some sets of people who overlook, um, you know, Trump's very clear and obvious issues that they would not have overlooked. Uh, on other presidential candidates or presidents. Um, and this one, I think, you know, with Trump in particular, is the two issues. It's the women issue for me is a very significant one. Um, and the second one is this immigration issue and uh, sort of catering to our um, worst selves, if mm -hmm. you will. Yeah. And the, um, the idea of the tribe kind of needs to have a common enemy to fo be focused on. Right. Um, and that's, that is very disenchanting. I would say, by the way, that there have been a lot of significant leaders and people of faith who have stood up to Trump and to this. And I've been very glad about that because when we first started this in March of 2016, so that's been a, a little over a year, I, I kind of thought we might be looking like really alone. Like I was very, very concerned with how dramatic the uh, rhetoric was getting to be anti-immigrant. And I always, what I always tell people is this, is that when I grew up in the Deep South, um, born in 1972, uh, and I still grew up, you know, still a lot of racism. It was the post-civil rights era, but there was still a lot of racism. There was still a lot of segregation, still a lot of separatism. Um, but things were kind of, you know, the civil rights had had its influence. And so people kind of realized that that was, you, you couldn't be real overt and outward on some of those racist tendencies. And so it was somewhat of a safe place to be a person who was for, you know, racial equality and 
and their and integration and all those kind of things. But I always wondered where would I have come down, you know, when Martin Luther King was having to do all the hard work and mm -hmm. marching. Yeah. And 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 I look at this immigration issue as our opportunity to show where would we have been in the deep south in the 1960s. Yeah. Sure. If you're on against them, you're kind of like the same people they were having to fight. And um, I think history has shown, you know, over and over again, and we still got a long way to go on, on the on lots of issues. But history has shown that that clearly Martin Luther King was on the right side. Yeah. And history is going to show again those who are for the immigrants and for the refugees in particular um, are on the right side. Yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's an interesting argument. And. I have found that people don't really respond to that, which is really unfortunate. Just like how you're saying that statistics might not help people saying, yeah. listen, this is you're going to you're going to be on the wrong side of history. Right. And people even when you make that direct comparison to the civil rights. Right. Fight. Right. And people don't respond to it. So I think that's why this project is is so powerful with the American immigrant, particularly the documentary aspect of it, so that people can see visually these stories or read them and connect to someone on a personal level, because even though that's unfortunate that they have to connect to it on a personal level in order to yeah. uh, identify with it or feel compassionate. Yeah. Well, we're humans and we're dumb. You know, we're, <laughs> we're, 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 we're newly removed from the caves in our clubs. So we're, uh, I get it. Yeah. But whatever will reduce that, uh, like you're talking about tribalism or in-group prioritization, whatever will reduce that and counter it, I think is really important. So before, yeah. listen, before we move on, I don't want to, we've talked here for 20 minutes or so and haven't, we haven't even gotten to the fact that you're, you have a Kickstarter campaign for this documentary series. Tell us a little bit about that. And then I want to, I want to get, uh, we're going to turn down the lights a little bit. I'm going to get a little personal with you, Mark. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to try to stick on the Kickstarter for a while then. No, uh, yeah, so we have a Kickstarter campaign. Just go to Kickstarter and search the American Immigrant. Uh, we are in the last few days, and we are uh, fairly close. We've, And the goal of the Kickstarter is to begin to develop uh, the short films that I mentioned earlier that would be uh, then developed longer into the documentary film but also be used immediately. Uh, online and through various channels. Um, and we have some good partners who we think can distribute it very significantly when we get it developed. So we just need the community to come around and support this initial start, essentially, you know, kickstart it and help us get some of these stories out as quickly as possible because we do believe time is of the essence on this because things are capable of changing so quickly. And the typical cycle of developing a um, book and a documentary for distribution, though very needed, we also need to get films, uh, short films out online as soon as possible to begin to have concrete examples and stories to point people toward and that they can share and use also in their networks uh, to demonstrate that just help us all remember, yes, we're all human beings. These people are human beings and they're great Americans. And they make uh, America an yeah. amazing place. Well, I think what's different about this, a lot of Kickstarter, it's not just, you know, strictly entertainment. You're not just, it's not like a, a Spider-Man movie that you're funding. This really <laughs> is, this goes to change 
the zeitgeist of the American attitude about immigration. It, it's it's uh, it's it's infotainment, I guess. But really, you are you're you're, you're doing a, a service to the American people on the front of education. And if we have act, I know we have you know many many activist um, interested parties in our audience, and I would encourage them very stringently to go check out the American Immigrant on Kickstarter. We'll put the links in the show notes. And if you have ten bucks, if you have fifty bucks, if you have a hundred bucks, whatever the uh, I only briefly looked at the page mark, but th- whatever the uh, the rewards can. It, can they get if they only have five dollars? Is that an option too? They can do it. We it, it's a good point that every small donation helps because there's two things we're trying to uh, demonstrate, which is one, the number of backers uh, as number one, and two, obviously the funding. But our, the reward tier starts at ten dollars. Um, but there is a way to donate any amount of money that you so choose uh, without a reward tier. So you can do one dollar if you'd like. That's and awesome. we have, by the way, we've had people donate one dollar. Yeah, listen, there's strength in numbers, and we talk about it all the time because we're listener supported. And you know, if we get a thousand listeners to give a dollar, that's it's nothing to them, but it's a tremendous amount for us. And the same, I'm sure, could be said for your project. Right. One hundred percent true. So. So tell me, listen, I did a little Facebook stalking. Time to turn not, the lights I'm sorry, down. Not not Facebook stalking, uh, just internet stalking in general. <laughs> and you're, you know, you're a lettered man. You're a you're a you're a smart guy. Um, I I I think that one just because you're a decent human being, you're interested in all of this. But your education seems to have kind of led you to have a a specific understanding of what's at stake here and these problems that are that are being caused. <laughs> that are being whipped up by the mm. current administration. So you have your uh, uh, Auburn Tiger, War Eagle, yeah. brother. Uh, War Eagle, yeah. yeah. a BS in um, international business. Yep. Uh, Master of Divinity from wherever that was. Uh, and then a PhD in intercultural studies. That's uh, That had to have led you uh, down a path to to care about these issues as passionately as you do. Yeah, well, you know, and there's two... There's probably two things that really drive me on this issue in particular. One is the, that we spent a significant at- amount of time overseas. So I would say I, I was a foreigner a lot. Oh, yeah. And I know what it's like to be a foreigner. And we um, living overseas as Americans almost always were in somewhat of a privileged position. Um but even in being in a privileged position with, you know, um, a lot more than a lot of the immigrants and refugees have, there was still this awareness of what it's like to be in the minority, uh, what it's like to be different, what it's like to not fully understand what's going on. Um, and then counter to that, how much we remember the people who reached out and helped us when we most needed it. And it had a very direct impact on us. Uh, you know, one ex- story, for example, is we uh, were living in Germany by, you know, by no means a difficult place to live. Uh, but my wife was giving birth to our daughter, Anastasia, and we had not been there very long. We did not have very many friends. 
and we didn't really speak the language very well, and we didn't understand the process at all. And um, when it, she went into was getting ready to go into labor, we we're very close to labor, and we had another child who was less than two years old. We all of a sudden realized, you know, we had no way of how how was I going to be at the birth, yeah, and take care of the two year old. And we were at a language school learning German at the time, and my wife sort of just shared this predicament with somebody who was a French lady who had lived in Texas for several years. And she said, the Americans were always so kind and good to me. I'll do whatever you need. Wow. And wow. so we, um, on the way to the hospital, we took Noah, our son, by her house, dropped, uh, dropped him off. And we were gone for uh, essentially 48 hours because Laurie was in labor for 36. Yikes. And um, came back. And so we remember, one, she you know, opened herself and opened her family up to an inconvenience to help us out. But she did it also because she had been treated well as a foreigner in our country. Yeah. And so it's this whole personal experience that we had, but also opened our eyes to this whole pay it forward uh, approach to life that really works. Sure. Um, yeah. You know, if we all are taking care of each other, it just comes around. Yeah. So are you are you from you said you grew up in the South. Did you, did you grow up in Alabama? I sort of evenly spit uh, my childhood between um, Alabama and Mississippi. Hmm. Wow. And so you're you're deeply you have deep faith Christianity. Um, was that something you grew up with, or you developed it into adulthood? What? Uh... I, I, uh, both. Uh, both. We. Uh, my family very um, church going. I uh, grew up going every Sunday. Like I always said, we went every Sunday to church, even when we were on vacation. Um, and, and Methodist churches growing up and that was very, um, I said probably influential to me in a way I didn't understand. Mm -hmm. Um, but I frankly found it all pretty boring, um, <laughs> in a large part and wasn't overly interested in it until I would say I was in my high school ages and became somewhat very, um, very drawn to the compassion, uh, of Christ and very drawn to his way of life and the things he said. And I would say, I mentioned earlier that being, being a foreigner myself has opened our eyes to helping other foreigners. The other driving thing is, without a doubt, uh, the teachings of Christ, which fit everything I just said, which is the pay-it-forward approach to life by being kind to others. I've seen it over and over. I see it work, and I believe in it. And that's the other thing that's driving us on this issue, which is as I've grown uh, and gotten older and had a, become a deeper understanding of the faith, I see it as this very, very radical way of living um, that I just want other people to taste. Yeah, we've had your your friend, your good friend Mark Trailer, on the show. And, oh, yeah. Yeah, and— uh, <laughs> I, like I said to him, and I'll say it to you, you're my kind of Christian. You know, if I was to, if I was to be able to to just flip a switch and believe again, I would be your flavor of Christian. I would be uh, what I like to talk is Galatians. That would be mm. my approach to Christianity. Not so much the Paul stuff, more the, <laughs> more, you know, more the grace, the 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 Jesus stuff. <laughs> mm. Yeah, yeah. So we we definitely appreciate it. I think. Uh, more the world would be a far better place if there were more Mark trailers and Mark 
Mark Russell's out there. Mm-hmm. So more marks. Yeah, just more marks <laughs> in general. <laughs> So what's the next step on this? I mean, you, you the book, is that already um, in, is that published? What's? Uh... Yeah, so the book one, uh, The Outsiders, we actually did uh, in a, um, a special sort of exclusive relationship with Amazon. So it's available on Amazon only uh, now. And it just you can just go search The American Immigrant, uh, The Outsiders, and it'll pop up. Uh, we've already got the content for the next two books in the series. And I mean, this the film is going to happen. It's just the timeline. The quicker we can get funds, the quicker it can happen. And we're feeling it's going to be a time, it's time sensitive thing. But um, so next steps for us is uh, we're going to continue rolling out the book series and start filming uh, these short stories and just keep moving it forward. So and we're in this for the long haul, I would say, you know, this is not like, oh, you know, we'll see how it goes or whatever, because we publish a lot of books. Um, uh, we're publishing about a book a week in our you know, sort of primary company, if you will. But this is not like that. We're not going to publish a book and then kind of move on to the next one. We're uh, this is a cause we're going to hunker down with until we feel like um, it's come uh, to some sort of uh, resolution uh, one way or the other. I find it interesting and heartening that that uh, Dick Gephardt would, you know, put a memoir on hold. You know, it, there are a lot of personal profit there that that is lost. I'm mm-hmm. sure he's not doing poorly in his lobbyist career on Capitol Hill, but uh, it it does speak to the the genuine nature of the project. The fact that you guys are really looking to make a difference and not just a difference <laughs> in your bank accounts. You know, it's uh. I appreciate it very much. I'm sure the audience does as well. Yeah. Because, you know, I, I officially speak for my audience. <laughs> that, that, that's my role on the show. Yes. <laughs> so thank you. No, absolutely. Thank you. And you're 100% correct. This is uh, 100% a passion project for um, for Dick and for me. And um, uh, there's that's it. That's the thing. Let's just get the message out and find the best way to do it. All right. Well, listen, uh, you're, you're at Mark Russell on Twitter. Is there any other, any other contact information? Do you have a elevate, uh, publishing on Facebook or anything like that where people can connect? Well, it's by the way, it's at Mark L Russell. All right. Initial L, um, Facebook, Instagram, and, uh, Twitter, all the same. Um, we'll get the information right for the show notes. Yep. Yep. I, I may speak for the audience. See, look, my credibility <laughs> is just evaporating. Well, they don't want you to speak for them anymore. So stop. <laughs> I am fired. All this incorrect information. Yeah, we'll put all your all your contact information in. And again, I would encourage everybody, at the very least, go check out the American Immigrant on Kickstarter. We'll also have a link, a correct link in the show notes to go check that out. And if you have some spare some spare dollars, um, do the right thing here. Support this project because it is meaningful. The, the more Americans that support this, the louder the voice, voice will be in, in facing the opposition, which, look, we're in tenuous times here relative to some of the policies that are being put forth by Donald Trump. And... This is a meaningful project that is going to have direct results immediately. And uh, I would encourage everybody to to contribute. So, Mark, thank you for coming on. We appreciate what you're doing very much. And uh, 
we'll have to have you back on for a follow-up to see how things are going. We'd love that. Thank you so much. Thanks, Mark. So Mark Russell's a pretty awesome guy. Yeah. <laughs> you bring a lot to the table, Brittany Page. I do? You, you, well, you expose me to people that I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't have connection to. I like this guy. Yeah, he's he's awesome. And not just for the the American Immigrant Project, but also because he really puts himself out there on this issue, yeah. even though it's controversial within the faith community, right? They're kind of divided right now. Absolutely. Um, on this issue. And you have people like Mark, who really believe that immigrants and refugees deserve respect and should not be feared and are trying to advance that narrative through various means, including his own personal social networking and interacting with people he knows, and then also this project, The American Immigrant. Yeah. So I think it's a really powerful thing that he's doing. Well, I mean, he's putting his money where his mouth is, and his reputation where his mouth is, and his social network where his mouth is, and his, his reputation within that community yeah. where his mouth is. A lot of things where his mouth is. A lot of stuff where his mouth is. Yeah. But look, I, I know I'm beating a dead horse here, but it does, it bothers me. And I don't have any skin in the game because I'm not a Christian anymore. But it does bother me that it is clear, you know, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I needed clothes and you, you gave me clothes. I was sick and you looked after me and I was in prison and you came to visit me. Jesus talking about this mm -hmm. and he it goes on in the scripture i think this is in matthew chapter 25 or something and he goes on and he flips it you know and if you i was hungry and you didn't give me anything i was thirsty and you i was ass out you gave me nothing to drink mm -hmm. i was in prison you didn't come to visit me i i was naked you gave me nothing those are the people who are going to be on the outs with the Father in heaven. Mm -hmm. This is this is patently biblical, basically biblical. The red words; these are the words that Jesus spoke. They can't put it off on. Oh, Paul said that. We're not, we're not really sure. This is Jesus talking. Their God, their deity. So I don't understand how they can so easily eschew this part of the Bible. When we should be doing something, if we really are a Judeo-Christian nation, we should be doing something for these immigrants. You know, I don't know what you're doing here, but <laughs> there's this guy, his name's Pat Robertson. Anyway. And he's on the way out, if how, you know what I mean. How dare and you? And I feel like you have a passion for this, if you just flip it the other way. Wow. So, <laughs> He, there's a spot to fill, is what I'm saying. Well, well, we live in Orange County, California. Exactly. There's, well, TBN is no longer a thing, apparently, but not the building. Not when we drive by the building. Yeah, the castle not. has been shut down. <laughs> well, anyway, I'm offended now. Oh, you are? How dare you compare me to Pat Robertson because no, I... No, I'm not comparing you to him. I'm saying a position will soon be open, Oh, I there's think. a job opening. He's getting kind of old. Anyway, back to the matter at hand. Yes. Mark Russell... Is a stud. Yeah. He's also a running maniac. He just finished the Boston Marathon. He just, he just ran the Boston Marathon. I mean, I've run a few marathons in my life when mm -hmm. I was in the Marine Corps. Yeah. Jesse and, was a Marine, everybody. Ugh, anyway, that is true. <laughs> <laughs> and let me tell you, not, not a feat I would ever undertake again or recommend anyone do. Yeah. Not a good time. Well, 
No, it's it's definitive. Not a good time. Okay, noted. <laughs> noted. So anyway, great. If you guys have any questions for him, we would love to have him back on. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Listen, everybody, we're going to let you go. But as we always say, if you appreciate what we do here and you've analyzed the numbers, you've, you've looked at it this way and that, and you've decided that you'd like to join our family of Patreon and PayPal supporters, you can do so by going to dollamore.com slash Patreon or dollamore.com slash PayPal. All of that information is also in the show notes. We love you guys. We appreciate you. You give us the motivation to do what we do. We will see you next time. And until then, for Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollamore, and this is Ben. I doubt it. We're going to turn down the lights a little bit. I'm going to get a little personal with you, Mark. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park